Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric Flaherty is on the air now. All right, seven fifty-five is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, and I'm with my co-host Eric Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's happening, Eric? Uh, not much. Tough, uh, <laughs> tough series. Yeah, your boy uh, Greg Kimbrell might be on the way to getting himself a ring. Did he not get one with Boston? He did, right? I think he did. Another round. Yeah, he did. Another one. There's Craig. Part of a hell of a bullpen right now. Um, what a start. Let me just say it was a total uh it was a total bust. I mean total collapse. They they did not resemble the team that we saw for six months. No. In that four game series, I mean, they just—they didn't even in any facet, other than a two inning stretch where they got back to back two run homers to turn that game two around. That's it. That's it. They just um, never got going. Never got going. And we can get into all the, all the talk about the the, the breaker and all that, whatever. But at a certain point, it's excuse making, and you got to get going at a certain point. There's got to be urgency. Um, and as Snit said. While on the one hand, he, he he didn't want to make excuses. He was using it as an excuse. He said it's hard, you know, staying intense. He doesn't even like a day off, much less five days off and all that. But then he accurately said, probably because his son is the hitting coach for the Astros, but he said, hey, he's going to do the same thing. It didn't slow them down. So Here, you got three, three teams that had buys were a disaster. Baltimore, Braves, Dodgers. I think it's I don't think it's a coincidence that the five teams with the best records in baseball have won one game in the postseason are all eliminated. The Braves win was the only one by the five teams with the best records in baseball. And here's another thought on that. Which team of the four division winners? You know, you're talking about Houston didn't have any trouble. Right, Atlanta, L.A., Baltimore, which team was playing down to the wire at least? You know, it's not yeah, a total true. excuse, but at least they were playing down to the wire to end their season. It's true. And also, among those four, Houston is the only team that's even more experienced than the Dodgers. Yeah. Houston's got a lot of guys that have been to a lot of uh, LCSs and World Series. Do you realize Houston has been to the ALCS – Seven straight times. Yeah, that's why everybody's rooting against him. You just you get sick of watching the same team every year. That is crazy, man. And it's even more admirable. I mean, you can say what you want about their controversy. Gosh, it was not cool what they did. But the fact that that didn't stop them from continuing this streak with everybody hating on them, you know? 
Yeah, and you can't just say that's the only reason they won. Right, exactly. I mean, anyway, that's another story. And sorry that I took a, a handful of uh, Baja taco cashews there. I will not eat any more of them. Um, <laughs> I thought, I thought Spencer Strider said something last night. He was by far the best quote of any of the Braves, including Snitker, after this game. He said something that we have been talking about. I have addressed this for literally years, years, going back to when I was covering the Marlins in the 90s and the Braves would go to this playoffs every year, every year, just about, just about, they would clinch early. They yep. would go into post mode for a week or two. They would rest guys. They would line up their rotation, change it, you know, and I'll alter it to get it just the way they want it for the postseason. They would go sleepwalk through the last week of the season or whatever, rest a bunch of guys. Then they would come out under Bobby Cox, and they would be flat, and they would lose in the first round a lot of times to far lesser teams. Yep. And I always said the Braves are the button-down professionalism team that that stuff helps you all season, six months. It is perfect. The even keel is exactly what you need in a six-month season. It's perfect. But that even keel does not help you at all in a condensed playoff, especially a five-game or a three-game series. There has to be urgency. You have to play like your hair's on fire a lot of the times, especially when you're down 0-1 when you lose the first game. Yeah, and you watch the teams that win, and they do. They have something, that, you know, just like a maybe a chip on their shoulder. Maybe they're pissed off. Maybe they just seem hungrier. But you watch them, and I mean – how much did it change the game last night when Cassianos hit that solo homer right after Riley went deep? Absolutely. Bottom of, bottom of the inning after Riley gives them a 1-0 lead. It was so short-lived because he hits it in the bottom of the end, ties it up, the crowd's right back into it. The crowd was phenomenal there. Most of those people stood the entire game. Yeah. Like it was a concert or something. Yeah. But I thought Strider said something that I was like, yes. That is what I've been trying to say, and he expressed it better than I have. I, th- I thought he was perfect. but And for him to do it after being the losing pitcher last night, giving up three solos, he pitched well except for three solos. I mean, <laughs> the guy gave up five runs, four earned in two starts in the series. The Braves lost, oh, those, games. The Braves <laughs> lost those games 3-0 and 3-1. Yeah. But he said, he said, this was great. Asked him about what he, what he meant, what do you remember most about the season? And he said, that, you know, just the joy of what it was to come here every day with everybody, show up, park every day. The confidence we played the game with was fun, something that I, had, that I hadn't been part of in my career. And I think we've got all the pieces necessary to keep that trend going. Then he said, obviously, we're going to have to make an adjustment in the way we handle the postseason and the way that we focus and prepare for it. But we're going to get to work the moment we get out of here. Yep. I thought, yes, yes, you can't just keep dismissing it and going, it's a crapshoot. You never know what's going to happen in the postseason. The best team doesn't always win. It's the hottest team. Okay, well, at least put yourselves in position to give you a better chance of being the hottest team, you know? Yeah, you have to desperately try to get to the bottom of this. You know, you can't just – yes. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of, it's a good point that the playoffs, there's a lot of crapshoot aspect to it. You know, there's, 
there's if you let every single team into the postseason, who knows who comes out on top? You know, it's it's not like other sports, yeah. but at the same time, back to back losses to the same team and that felt like the same series two years in a row. You have to you gotta be scratching your head and being like, How do we beat this? What do they have that we don't? And I don't even know if it's necessarily personnel or attitude, you know, but it just that series felt like it was going that way the entire time. I don't know that it's personnel, but I think it's attitude. Yeah. They're coming out. The Phillies are coming out with a different in the postseason. They are coming out with a different intensity. You can't play with that intensity for 162. They're coming out not with a football mentality, but they're coming out from the first pitch in attack Ready mode. To fight. Yeah. In attack mode. Yep. And they have so much energy. They get a double. They're doing that stupid ball, big balls thing, you know, and all that. But it's like getting their crowd, especially at home, man. Their crowd is such a big part of this. Truist Park had a great crowd. It has great crowds in the postseason. But they come alive when the Braves give them something to come alive for. And the Braves didn't give them much to come alive for this year. The Phillies are jumping on people from the pitch one. That crowd is booing mercilessly as the Braves' bullpen is walking from the dugout to the bullpen before the game. They are booing them lustily. And then they're booing. And when Strider walks out on the field from, coming in from the bullpen, they're booing Strider going, Strider, Strider. I mean, it's so loud in there. You're going, wow, this feels like a SEC football game, not a not a baseball game. It's a different atmosphere. And that's that's what that's what everybody tries to kind of say. And, uh, you know, you see like the, the Braves game-ending play in game two. The crowd went crazy, but crazy. you have to understand that Philly does that on a single in the second, you know, throughout yeah. the entire game, ball two in the first inning, bottom one, they're going ape shit. I don't know how they keep that energy up or what those people are on, but it's just a, it's a different atmosphere and one that, you know, I don't think the Braves played in all season. Nobody has. I mean, that's just a different atmosphere. The Braves played in it last year in the playoffs and that's it at Philly. I mean, I haven't even heard that atmosphere in other playoff venues. Everybody's loud. Dodgers are really loud. Uh, Houston's really loud with the dome closed. But nothing like this intensity. This is a different level of intensity than I've seen in a postseason atmosphere. It is, wow, it was something. And it was before the game even began. I mean, oh, yeah. the announcements they're making when they're introducing the players, they're lining up, then they're introducing the opposing players, they're boo. I mean, it was just uh Cool, they were ready. But um the and then the Phillies play, they feed off of that. It's like a symbiotic relationship. That the the crowd feeds off the team, the team feeds off the crowd, and they jump out, you know, and do things. I mean, Castellanos with back to back two homer games, nobody's ever done that in the postseason in the history of baseball. Nobody. Yeah, and he didn't get easy pitches to hit either. I mean, first pitch slider from Strider, fine. Maybe yeah. he sped him up. But nobody had hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball off a strider like that in his career, that last one he hit. Yeah, I mean, the two hardest-hit home runs of his of his life have come in this series. The 115.3 the other day that that uh, Bryce Harper hit, and then the one last night was 112 that yeah. Castellano hit. I mean, everything they hit last night. I'm sorry, I, I hate to say it, but they played like the Braves played during the season last night. And they had a crowd of 45,000 egging them on or, or juicing them up, too. But they played with the home runs of the Powerball like the Braves did all year. 
Yeah. You know, and what that crowd does is, you know, when something doesn't go your way and you're in Miami, you throw ball one in the seventh and you're up by one. It's just silence. You're like, fuck, okay, ball one, who cares? Let me get yeah. back in this. But when you throw ball one and 45,000 people go crazy, you know, it just, it emphasizes that you just did something negative, <laughs> you know? So then you come back and you throw ball two and, you know, and it just kind of keeps up in the ante each time something doesn't go your way. And vice versa, their team feels that and feeds off it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was something, man. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. But here, just to get back a little bit more of what Strider said before we, before we move on, he, and this was also great. I mean, he was just really good last night. And for a guy that just lost in the losing pitcher in the clinching game for the Phillies, it was even more admirable. It was obviously something he'd been thinking a lot about. You know, the guy's a thinker. He's a smart guy and he's cerebral and he wants to he wants to get answers rather than just shrug his shoulders and go, you know, it's a crapshoot. You know, we'll come out next year and give it another give it a go again. Do our best. You know, he, he wants more than that. And here's what he said. I asked him, what about the Phillies, what they've done in the postseason, how they seem to have figured out how to be at their best in the postseason as opposed to being at their best during the regular season? He said, I thought this was great. He said, yeah, I think that they've got a lot of energy. They've got a lot of confidence. We are a really good club at coming to the park every day over the course of the year and letting our talent come out. And I think in the postseason, in such a confined sample size, you're tossing a lot of those long-term things out the window. And like I said, we're going to have a chance to improve the way that we focus and prepare for the postseason. There's just no other way around it. It's a tough reality to confront, but it's the only way we're going to change the results. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, you could see it the whole series. Um, I mean, it, and on the flip side, what are you going to be celebrating if you're the Braves? I mean, 
I felt like it, it, when I watched it, it looked like they were, everybody was trying to step up and be the guy. It looked like they expanded a lot of at bats, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they expanded the zone a lot. Um, th- that was part of what they did so well for so much of the season was work hitters counts and then do damage. And the, they were chasing balls, like especially Acuna. I thought you could tell he wanted to have his moment and there were at bats where he'd get a fastball that he didn't swing at all year and he'd expand the zone, chase something in. Guys were chasing first pitch, hanging sliders in off the plate, pulling them foul. I just felt like their approach, I, you could definitely see they were feeling the pressure and feeling like I had to be the guy. I think if, if Acuna shows up and does what he's done all season, everybody exhales. You know, you get those early runs in the game and, and it changes the whole dynamic of the series. But guys not hitting, then everybody started putting more and more pressure on themselves, trying to be the guy, trying to help out. And it just seemed like they got away from that take the single the other way, work the count, willing to take a walk uh, mindset that got them so many big innings all season long. Yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, the approaches were different. They were chasing more. They got away. They got back. Uh, they had improved so drastically year over year in lowering the strikeout rate, lowering the chase rate outside the strike zone, the contact rate in the strike, everything. They had re- they had improved more than any team or more than all but one team and all of those different stats like uh, yeah. year over year uh, strikeout reduction, uh, uh, swing and miss rate outside the zone, all these things they had improved more than any team in baseball. I'd love to see I the numbers on all that for the postseason. Yeah, I thought they they reverted a lot to what they had done the year before. And I guess a lot of that might have to do with being down in games, too, and getting kind of desperate. They were chasing the whole series. You know, they only had a lead for like a half an inning and then, you know, two innings in game two or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Man, there's there's no easy answers, obviously, to, to to how you get that balance. We haven't even talked about the break, the lull, but obviously, it's not having the results that MLB had wanted it to have at all. There, it's supposed to be a reward for teams who are winning the division, and having the best record. It's been a penalty, if anything. I mean, and that's not and that's not excuse making because that's for all the teams that have that have been out and, and not played like themselves in that round at all. The Dodgers didn't play like that poorly all year. I mean, a lot. The Kershaw had a terrible start, but they didn't hit. Freddie and Mookie no. Betts were one for twenty-one with an infield single by Freddie as the only hit. I mean, if you look at the Braves lineup, their numbers for this series, like Riley, Riley's basically the only guy that did something close to what he was doing all season. Yeah, um, the numbers in, in these two series in back-to-back years, and you know. Obviously, they've had the. This has been the first two years of having that lull. They tried two different ways to do it. A year ago, they just did took you know, but had a couple of workouts, took batting practice, and they were terrible in the series against Philly. So they tried this year having the three inter squad games, and obviously it wasn't the same intensity. They thought they were ready. I don't know how much it had to do with it, but they were not ready. And if you look at the numbers in those two series. It's crazy. I mean, they obviously went one and three in both of those series. Last year, the Braves hit 180 with a 344 slug and 594 OPS with five homers and 13 RBIs in the four games against the Phillies. 180, 344 slug, 594 OPS. 
43 strikeouts last year and 128 at-bats. That was a glaring thing. But this year, they hit 186 after hitting 180 last year. They slugged 264. This is a team that slugged 501 during the season, the first team in Major League history to slug 500 in a full season. They barely OPS in this series what they slugged during the regular season. They OPS 519 in the series after, after OPS in 594 a year ago in the series. So in two years, eight games against the Phillies in the NLDS, the Braves two and six, hitting 183 with eight homers, only three in this series. 20 RBIs. They scored 21 runs in eight games in those NLDS games. Slugged 304 and had a 556 OPS in eight games. The Phillies yeah. out-homered them. The Phillies out-homered them 13 to three in this series, and the Braves had major league record tying 307 homers in a regular season. About two again. They just didn't look like themselves. I mean, I, I thought about this. I think you kind of alluded to it the last podcast, but I don't know that they played games the entire season where they had to score, where there was pressure to score. Because, you know, you go through April and May, if you're up or down, you know, there's still so much season left. The only time I ever felt pressure to not let my team down and not lose was in September or the playoffs. But you, by the time they get to September, they got a 10-game lead or whatever it was. Like, it was a comfy year the whole year. And it, I just think you see it with the teams that are fighting until that last day. By the time they get to the postseason, there's been all this pressure the whole time. But then I think about it again. I'm like, the Braves played till the last minute last year. So they would have been used to it last year. So the only, the only you know, thing that both years have in common is that five-day layoff. Yeah. 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 Um. We got a couple of questions here. EOF, what's your take on the critique that Snit is similar to Bobby, great regular season manager that doesn't give the team that edge in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something to that. You know, that's what makes him great is he's not screaming at people all season long. He shows confidence in his guys and he's patient with them. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we were just talking about how the Braves always had that did the same thing. You know, they won the division and then bounced in the first round, even with the great pitching they had. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, the, the only thing I really think this team might've been missing was somebody like jock, somebody, or just somebody to get the party started. You know, that's why I thought Darno's home run was so huge because it, it just let the air out for a second. It, it, it took that pressure off, told him we can do this. And when he hit that home run, I was like, Oh, they're winning this game, but they just didn't have that moment. And it, Rosario didn't really play much. He's kind of yeah. one of those guys that gets that sneaky home run or big knock you don't really see coming, but it's hard, man. I mean, it's like you're not going to build your team to not win 100-something games in the regular season. Yeah. If, even if these teams that sneak into the wild card have this edge and you want to think that's an advantage to keep playing and play that first round, the Mariners don't have an edge right now because they didn't make it. <laughs> you know, like you don't ever want to be in that position where you don't make the playoffs at all because you're building your team with all these rah rah guys that get huge hits in the postseason and not make it. I just I don't really have a I don't have a thought on it other than I just feel like the the Phillies had their number two years I think in a row. Got to be able to do both, man. And I think yeah, I think I think that uh, I think that Thompson has doing that with the Phillies. 
they play during the season. I mean, he's you know maybe he strikes me a lot like Snit does as an even kill uh, exactly uh, players manager all that during the season. But during the postseason, whether it's coming from him or other, or they've got they've got some guys on that team that are fiery. I mean, oh yeah, a lot of them. I mean, Harper is a fiery dude. Castellanos is a fiery guy. Trey Turner has been through it all, and he he makes a, he just makes huge plays on both sides of the ball. You know, he's not a great defensive shortstop, but he makes some spectacular plays. Um, and he comes up with so many huge knocks. Huge knocks. He can hit anybody. They've got. I think it's. You said you mentioned Jock Peterson. It's it's important to note that Jock Peterson not necessarily the kind of guy that's going to be a huge contributor. Maybe over one sixty two to an even kill clubhouse that everybody gets along and everybody loves coming to work. But he is that guy that really helped them when they picked him up in July when the Braves were way out of the race. Remember, everybody wanted him to just fold their tents, trade guys work for the future, build for the future. And Alex said, no, we're going for it now. And he makes a trade for Jock Peterson coming out of the all-star break. Didn't even wait. Yep. And then added uh, Soler and Duvall at the, uh, and, and Rosario at the trade deadline. Four outfielders. And they were all different personalities, but Jock Peterson did add a certain something. You know, the whole thing. You know, we might be, we might be the motherfuckers and the, yep. and the pearls, I'm a bad bitch, all that. I mean, this it's team, just I'm an not edge. Not Get out some guys with an edge. Right. I'm not saying this team has to have somebody like that, but they didn't. There's nobody right. on this team like that. There, there's always somebody, you know, on, on the great teams I played for, there's like an Eric Hinsky, you know, Schwarber's one of those guys that just, they're just dogs, you know, they make the season so much fun, but they're also all they care about is winning. And I'm not saying the Braves don't have that, but you look and you see these teams and these guys that go team to team to team. There's a mentality that you have um, that just seems to play in the postseason. Like how, how Hinsky made it to so many World Series was always on a playoff team. It's because of what he brought to the clubhouse. And it only yeah. takes one guy saying one thing, like that that David Ortiz speech before um, when the Red Sox were down 3 nothing. There's things like that happen, and – it's just one guy saying the right thing at the right time and acting a certain way that fires his teammates up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like hard to it's hard, one of those things it's hard to put your finger on, but you know that guy that's there and you know what he brings to the clubhouse when he walks in. Um, it's really not a manager's Donald, place either. You know, I don't, I don't think it's a manager's place. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not in the clubhouse doing that shit. Snit had John his Donaldson even eating, even brought an edge. Yeah, he did. You know. You know. I mean, he was still a really good player at the time. That's important. He's not now, but uh, he brought an edge that, that that all the Braves praised, you know. Um, Dansby and Freddie were not those kind of players. I mean, people, they may, they might miss their leadership, but they weren't those kind of players that brought that edge, that 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 crazy vibe and all that, especially Dansby. But they certainly no, Freddie's a lot. He's a lot more tame for the media than he is. I mean, he is talking shit, wearing guys out and saying a lot Dansby? of cocky stuff. No, Freddie. Oh, Freddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. He's, he's flies into humor. Yeah. He's he's fun during the year. Throughout the year, he's pretty fun. I mean, he's he's talking a lot of shit, calling everybody out. He's keeping it loose. But then the camera goes in front of him, and he plays the nice guy. You know, he's he's right. not exactly who you see on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've seen that side of him too. Yeah. 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 Even when he's just off the record. Yeah, Olsen is not like that with uh, the way Freddie is. Olsen talks a little shit too, but not like Freddie. I know what you're talking. Freddie busts balls, you know. 
Yeah, he um, got he got a lot louder from the time that I left to when the team was handed over to him and I came back in 16 and 17. I was like, oh, shit, Freddie. I didn't know this was you, but <laughs> he's that guy now. Yeah. So but they still got bounced in the that, first round. I'll answer that question that he had for you. I, I think there is something to the critique that Snit's a lot like Bobby because Snit learned everything he knows about from Bobby, including the patience. The even keel, he preaches the even keel every day. He talks about even keel, don't ride the roller coaster. And it's so great for 162. It's exactly what you need to be the kind of team the Braves are. That's why the Braves are so much better than everybody. They got the personnel, obviously, but they do have a yeah. great attitude for the regular season. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. I just don't think that works. Like Strider said, that does not work in the oh, in the postseason. There's no well, plus it's such a challenge, man. It's so challenging mentally to still be cocky and confident when you get your shit kicked in in game one or you give up a three-run homer in the first to not just feel the energy of the game and feel – I mean, basically feel what the fans feel. You know, as a spectator watching, I watched these games. When Real Muto hit that home run, I was like, fuck, they're done. And I'm allowed to feel that because I'm sitting on my couch. But you got to have guys in the clubhouse yeah. that come in and say, we're not done, we're scoring. And, and you know, you just – to say the right things at the right time and have the right attitude to get you back in that game. And then somebody says something like that, somebody gets a big knock, and it's here we go. What's your thought on uh, – we have a question from uh, – well, it's Braves F. Neat. <laughs> says we need to add another frontline starter. Your thought? I don't think it hurt. I mean, that's – I don't think that's why they lost this series either, though. You know, I mean, it would have been game three would have been pretty important to have Charlie. But they didn't hit. And I don't I don't know that there's that Strider had two great frontline starts. I mean, those are good postseason starts to give up one or two and, and get through that game and give your team a chance to win. And the way the team was built all year, they went both of those games easy. Yeah, exactly. He gave up five runs, four earned. I think there were four. The runs were all were on solo homers. Three solo homers last night, but that's in uh, two starts, like 12, 12 and two thirds, or twelve and a third innings, whatever. Um, those are the games the Braves win all year: four to three, yeah. six to six to two, whatever. They lost those games three nothing and three one. He did his job. Yeah. Um, the Freed. I, the reason I think that a frontline starter is necessary to add this off season because you got too many guys with question marks. Yeah. There are certain guys that get that pitch 30 to 32 starts a year. Even today, there's fewer than there used to be, but there are still some of those guys. Wheeler used to get hurt all the time when he's in Mets. He doesn't anymore. Nola doesn't get hurt. They give you, they, they didn't have to worry about those guys coming in the postseason. This is two years in a row. You've had to worry about free with entirely unrelated illnesses. Now, is it random? Okay, I guess, but that's two years in a row that you go in with your best pitcher not at his best. Now, he got his bad start out of the way. Maybe he would have been ready to give you a great start in game five against Wheeler. I think the Braves were confident that he would. But I was he too. Was not at his, he was not at his best in, in any way, shape, or form in the first one because he was so rusty, you know? He yeah. had one start. He pitched one game in like three weeks. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at the Dodgers, like, they got, their starters got crushed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a tough thing because 
we we even said it all year. We're like, this is the team that can hit that front line pitching. And then Wheeler comes around. We're like, I don't know if anybody's hitting that. Like, the, it would definitely help this guy to have a guy, help this team to have a guy like Wheeler or Garrett Cole or Verlander, ace type that goes and takes the ball in that big game. And you know you're getting six or seven with one run out of. But again, Strider gave them two good starts, and they they weren't in either one of those games. No, yeah, they scored one run in those two games. So I don't mean shutout, including the shutout at home. That was their first shutout at home postseason or playoffs since 2021. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe you go back to depth too. And it's like that game three start. And we, I mean, we discussed it plenty. What we were afraid of was exactly what happened. That big inning, you know, that big inning early that takes you out of the game. And it's game three. When Harper hit that home run, it was like every, every game I was watching, you're kind of just like, if these guys get going, the floodgates are going to open. And it's you're one pitch away from with a team like this. It's I don't know, man. That was it. Was, it's, it was a tough one to watch. I didn't like. I didn't like Elder starting. We talked about that. I just thought he was not good in the second half, and especially in his last three starts, he was terrible. And they thought he looked great those first two innings. Those, he was great until he wasn't. Right, but the and same thing as Strider last year, though. When Strider was yep. coming off the oblique, he ran out of yep. gas. Well, Elder was yep. run fumes for the last month and a half of the season, the last really after the All-Star break, and it just got worse in September. So I didn't think that he was going to be able to summon enough energy to give you five good innings. Two innings, I'll attribute to adrenaline. Yeah. You know, and then the third inning, reality set in, and he went back to missing up in the zone like he had been throughout September and most of August. And Yeah, and it, honestly – the the big mistake for me was Harper getting anything to hit in that game. I mean, and then that, that flipped the whole. Yeah. You're you're tied one one at that point, but you know if yeah. you go down two one in Philly, you got game four in Philly again the next day, and they just have this feeling to them that they're <laughs> they're a dangerous team. But th- I thought that situation. I don't know. Maybe a mound visit would have been nice. Yeah, it was probably discussed before the game. If it was, I I can't make any excuse for pitching to him there. But I thought the thought would probably be, all right, what happens in these situations all the time? Even though there's not technically first base open, there is a base open. We cannot let this guy beat us. You throw him bullshit around the zone, nothing in the zone, nothing he can yeah. hurt you on. If he wants to be a hero there and he expands and grounds out to second base or pops up on a sinker seven inches off the plate or a slider down below the zone or a fastball up, perfect. If you walk him, you get the righty on deck. That was the one thing in the whole series that I just couldn't really understand, whether it's a miscommunication or he was trying to pitch around him. And sometimes you're trying to pitch around a guy and you just hang a slider. You know, you're trying to bounce it, you get lazy and leave it up. But for him to get that pitch there, I was like, that can't happen. And that's what Snit said after the game was that if we get him to pop up there, if we get him, you know, we, uh, if we walk him there, pitch around him or whatever, but they didn't go out there and tell them that. And they didn't obviously make that clear enough, or they put too much faith in the, in that, that elder would be able to locate at this point of the season with his stuff diminished, obviously, and his location has been off. That's what he's been missing up in the zone, you know, for most of the second half. So to think that he was going to be able to pitch around him without just it walking him, I think was a mistake to assume that he was going to be able to pitch to him and get a, get him to pop up, you know, that he had that kind of pinpoint accuracy at this point was a mistake. Why? Well, I mean, that's your whole season right there, the way I look at it. And 
You got to just walk I, the guy. If you don't, you can't trust Elder. You got to just tell him walk the guy. It's like Bobby yeah. when they faced Barry Bonds in San Francisco that year in a series. Bonds was at his steroid-driven peak. He was a monster. And they're playing him out there. It's a tenth inning consecutive games. I think. I think it was tenth inning. I know it was one of them. I think it was both both games. Bobby told his left-handers that he had. Do not give him anything to hit. But Bobby had too much pride to just walk him, you know? Yep. He didn't want to walk Barry. He wanted yep. to pitch around him unintentionally, intentionally walk him. Two nights in a row, because you remember Barry back then, he'd get maybe one pitch to hit in a game, and he would not miss it. Ever. <laughs> Two nights in a row, Bonds hit a walk-off off a brave left-handed reliever to win those games. That was when Bobby came in was throwing shit in the clubhouse. Yeah, and that that's probably – I mean – I can't think that that wasn't discussed before the game, you know? So it's sure, like, yeah. I would think a mound visit just to remind him like, Hey, remember we talked about, we're going to throw some bullshit here and he's going to go to first or just walk him. But I think that, you know, Snit didn't want to throw him under the bus. I, <laughs> so he kind of said, we hope for a pop-up or something like that there, but because he doesn't want to say, well, he's supposed to pitch around him and he threw a dick ball and gave up a bomb. I, I can't imagine though, yeah. you know, that you're not, you're not aware of that risk and, and just pitching to him normal in that situation. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he came. He Instead of saying, you know, we went over plan and it was to not give him anything to hit. You know, if we can, if he can get, if we, he should say, if we can get him to chase and pop one up, you know. But how bad does that or, make or, Elder or look take a walk, that's, where the pitch wound that's fine. up? Yeah, or take a walk. That's fine. But he didn't say it like, he didn't say it like that. He just. <laughs> he just said, you know, he said, if he pops up there or he walks, that's fine. He didn't say that was the plan. <laughs> right. Well, because I don't think you want to – I think he wants to take the heat there and just yeah. fine. I look I look like a dumb shit for pitching right. to him, but I don't exactly. want to throw my pitcher under the bus. I, I That's how I read the whole thing. You know, I could be wrong, but I can't imagine it going any other way where you're just like, go get him, you know, with <laughs> in that situation. Yeah, it was like Harper, man, he has raised his game to another level. And 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 Castellanos is right there with him. Castellanos played with some horseshit teams for a while, as much of his career. Now he's on a team that, you know, and remember last year, he struggled for so much of the year last year. Yep. And, it, I mean, he was bad. And then he got hot late and, and, and helped him postseason so much. But right now, that guy, you can't imagine that guy struggling for much of a season now. He looks so good up there. The, the first homer he hit off of Elder was, I mean, it was a little up, but it was a sinker in off the plate. To be able to keep your hands inside that and pull it out. Yeah. I mean, he's he, strong, the, dude. The balls he hit off the strike. I don't. I can't remember his second homer in, in game uh, three, but the the first homer last night off the strider, I mean, it, it, first pitch slider against a guy that throws 99, you hit it out. And then the next time, strider just challenged him. You know, he gave him five fastballs thinking, you cannot uh-huh. catch up to this. And he caught up to 100 and hit it. I mean, you can't hit it any cleaner than that. Speaking really, I mean, of, just impressed with his swing. And speaking of adrenaline, I thought a perfect example last night. Strider comes out. You know, most of the year, he's throwing, he's coming out. The one time he tried to ease into it early in the season, and that was disastrous. He tried to because he wanted to. He thought by pacing himself, he could go deeper in games. That was his goal this year, and that 
backfired on him. And then he got it straight, you know, and realized I can't do that. But he would come out, you know, throwing 96, 98. And he would pop a few 99s during a game. But he rarely hit 100 this year, right? Yeah. He comes out last night breathing fire. Four of his first six pitches were at 100 to 100.4. Four of his first six pitches in a game. And I thought he had the right mentality right there. I thought he might throw nothing but fastballs until they hit something else, the way that game started. And, you know, and he had his fastball is so similar to Wheeler's, I think, in my opinion, except Wheeler's 6'4", but they've both got that that crazy extension. So they're both releasing it a lot lower than somebody there. Well, Strider's only 5'11", so he's got the extension. But the release point for Wheeler is also much lower. Than for another six four guy because of that he gets like seven and a half. He's got that low arm slot. Yeah, his his yeah. arm slot probably the height of the release probably matches up because Strider gets out there, but he's got a little higher arm slot. Uh-huh. Wheeler's taller, but he's throwing from a lower arm slot, so it probably matches up pretty close. They both got that anti gravity fastball. Yeah, that giddy up at the end, and you get and the result is you get so many good hitters chasing fastballs that are up chest higher or like at their neck or above, you know, and you just don't get that from other pitchers. That's a rare pitcher that has that kind of stuff that has that giddy up and has that release point. Wheeler has got that, which you do not see six, four pitchers have that. He's that low. I think that low three quarter arm slots, the best arm slot in baseball, especially for right now. I mean, everybody's kind of changed their swing plane. The, one of the only guys you see on the on the field that's really still swinging down on the ball is Harris, and that's why those sinkers got him out in this series. Those lefty sinkers are the toughest pitch for him. But the rest of the guys, I mean, the hole is middle up, especially if you have the velocity. I, uh, man, I, I, the person I've come away from most impressed. Well, I was already impressed with uh, with Bryce Harper, you know, but. Castellanos, obviously, but I have to say Wheeler, man, and it's only one start, but man, he, he was so dominant and the Braves end up winning that game, right? Yeah. I mean, he threw the same against the, the Marlins too, as back to back, but. But he is yeah. such a dominant post. He's the best pitcher in the, in, in the postseason to me by far. Right now. Yeah. I mean, his. I mean, he, God, he's an ace when he's healthy and he's been healthy with the Phillies. His numbers in the postseason, his and Aaron Nola's numbers in the postseason, wow. That's I mean, they I feed off that crowd, play. too. You know, that's the whole, like, strike one in the first yeah. inning and the crowd goes apeshit. I saw them yeah. both talk about how much that fired them up. That's why when a guy says that the Braves need a frontline starter, I think they could use one because – and they don't like to go out and, 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 and get starters off the top of the free agent pool. But I think they need to trade for one. They need to get one. They need to get a guy, going back to I didn't finish my thought earlier, a guy that they can pretty much be assured is going to hold up over the course of the year. If he does miss any time, it's going to be a start or two, but he's not going to miss you know half the season. He's not going to be frail and something happened to him before the postseason. Max Fried is an awesome pitcher. When he's healthy, he's about as good as it gets. But it's a lot of little stuff when you're – when you're a slightly built guy, I think you're more inclined to have things go wrong or get sick or whatever. But they need to have a guy that they can count on because you can't go into the postseason again next year 
with these starting pitching issues that they had this year. There was a time this year where the Braves were like eight deep in starters. And we thought, well, they don't need to make a trade for the starter at the trade deadline. And they didn't. And if they would have got Lance Lynn or Lucas Giolito, it wouldn't have helped at all. No, but Lynn gave up four homers in an inning. He was terrible. Yeah, he was terrible. And Giolito didn't even make the postseason roster. But they've got to uh, they got to get a guy. Well, they didn't make the postseason, did they? They've got to get a guy, though, that they can put up in the front of that rotation and absolutely, like, like Strider. You don't have to worry about Strider. I mean, he's at that point now in his career. I don't think you're going to have to worry about him. Last year was an oblique strain. He focuses. I mean, he he, he adapted some part of his training was to strengthen that part, and that was not an issue at all this year, oblique or anything like that. And he is so put together, man. A guy that takes great care of himself. You don't have to worry about him. But Bryce Elder, you had so much. You were riding so much on him. He made the All-Star team deserving. But it was his first full season, and he just completely faded down the stretch. He was out of gas. Yeah, and it's it's hard to it's hard to get teams like the Phillies those just juggernaut offenses with Three the stuff he's bringing to the table. I mean, you can have all the balls and know how to pitch all you want. It's it's tough to get through that lineup without the premium stuff. Right, right, exactly. And they have three starting pitchers too, because not not just. Uh, not just Wheeler and Nola are pitching well, but how about Ranger Suarez, man? This guy now has <laughs> he dealt. <laughs> he now has. I mean, he reminds me of uh, who was the guy that Brace had for a year that went on to the Nationals, pitch for their World Series team that just got by on, on guile and everything. Who was the guy, the Latin guy? Uh, starts with an A. Yeah, Sanchez. Somebody. Yeah, Anibal Sanchez. Yeah. But he's got better stuff than him. But Ranger has a 1.16 ERA in the postseason, 23 innings, three earned runs. See how mad he was when he got taken out? Yeah. He's got a, a lot of guys are happy that their their job's done. He's got a 1.50 ERA facing the Braves in the playoffs now. Two earned runs in 12 innings. It's his seventh postseason appearance, fifth start. He's never given up more than a single earned run in any of his postseason outings. And I didn't want to give him credit after the first good start because I'm like, all right, they had the five-day layoff and he pitched him inside. But doubling up on it and doing it again yesterday, it's hard to deny. Yeah, man. I was really surprised. Uh, I, I didn't expect – you know, Matt Olson had stretches during the season, though, even though he led the majors in home runs and RBIs. He had stretches of a week, two weeks that let – remember the, the – he went without a homer for what eighteen games at the, in yeah. uh, September, so he was prone to that. You just hope to God it doesn't happen in a postseason, but it did. And Acuna didn't have a stretch of more than a few games during the season where he didn't. I mean, he—I can't hardly remember back-to-back games where he wasn't good. And, I thought he was chasing his moment, you know, for a lot of the series. Yeah, and I know some of his excuse makers. He has a lot of those online. Said, oh, he hit a ball 100 miles an hour. You can't tell where it's going. He grounded out six times in the last two games. He didn't do that during the season. I'm sorry. He did not do that. But when he hit those 110-mile-an-hour grounders during the season, yeah. they were to the right side. And they were hits through the infield. You know what I mean? They were to the right side where they give right. him that big hole. If you're trying to not pull and do damage, it winds up up the middle or to the shortstop. And that's where he kept – I just – I thought – 
I'm not, I'm not knocking him. I think he was trying to, to have that thing for the team and get the team going. And that's what the team thrived on all year long. Acuna goes up and hits a leadoff homer, yep. airs out already. You know, like, we're good. We're about to put up 10. But when, yeah. when Suarez challenged him, it came in and jammed him to start game one. It was like, oh, shit, we got a series. You know, th- that's how I looked at it. And I, I felt like that at bat against Kimbrell yesterday. I texted my buddy. I said, I don't know if Craig can throw a strike here because Craig was yanking everything. And when you see Craig go into that mode, <laughs> he's got to aim right down the middle. And a lot of times he starts yanking more. I'm like, I don't know if he can make a pitch right now, but I don't know if Acuna is going to accept a walk. I think he wants to have his moment. And he chased two balls in that at bat. One was a bad call that got a strike on him, but he chased a couple balls on that at bat, a slider in, fastball away, that weren't on the plate. And, that, and that's what he did this year that he did so well was he took those close pitches and never gave an at bat away or, or let the pitcher off the hook until he got a mistake. And he still put a great swing on that ball and just barely got in on his hands enough to not go out of the park. But I just I saw it with the whole team pretty much that it just seemed like they let a lot of pitchers off the hook trying to – trying to force something to happen and feeling the pressure as a lineup. Yeah, man, is uh and we say all that. We say so much about the, the the rotation. Do they need another starter? And I think they should go out and get a frontline starter. And and we don't even know about Max Free. What's gonna happen? He's got a year left on his contract, are they gonna be able to resign him? But I think they need to get another guy. I do not think you can count. And we don't know about Charlie. Obviously, that's a huge one. And that was a huge blow. That's the other thing is you're going oh, to the game three would have been no discussion. This is a whole different series, I think. I really do. If Charlie's at peak Charlie. But there are questions when you, he's going to be 40 next year. If he decides to come back, I talked to him last night after the game. And I said, I said he's not showing his cards, man. If he's decided, he is not showing his hand. He said it'll probably be a few few weeks. He's going to talk to his wife and all that. But he here's the other thing. He told me he didn't know if he'd have been ready to pitch in the NLCS. He hasn't pitched yet. And yeah. the, and it still doesn't feel normal. He said in a few weeks, I think it'll something that'll take care of itself. It's not going to have surgery or anything. It'll it'll take care of itself in a few weeks, but four or five days? I don't know. He said it was going to be a tough call. So they might have had to go on in the NLCS, even if they'd won this thing without Charlie. And I do not see them getting in a seven-game series and winning without him. Unless the offense got going, which it really could have. But that's, yeah. that's the bottom line is, as 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 much as there were pitching issues, obviously, they still were in the middle of the pack, the ERA-wise, of the division series teams. It was not hitting. This team was built around thumping, around offense, around yeah. outscoring, and they did not hit. No, I mean, if you if you pull up the box score from yesterday and you look at the the names next to the averages and slugging and everything for the series, they're unrecognizable. But it's also only four games, five games, you know? Yeah. it's That happens throughout the year, and it's not a big deal. And that that's just why I keep going back to I don't think they – if you have a couple shitty days as an offense during the regular season, you know it's coming. Uh, we're, we're eventually going to put up a 10 spot, and it's easy to fall back on that all year. But they never had to hit with, like, we have to win this game. We have to hit today until the postseason. I think it's a hard adjustment to make. You know, it's it's hard to change your mindset from we're the best, yeah. it's eventually right. going to happen, to it has to happen today. Yeah, the urgency. When you don't play, when you don't have a, a urgency during the season because it doesn't serve you well, 
to, to put like must win on this game and one out of 162. It just doesn't work during the season. But at the same time, having that ultra even keel, button down professionalism, nothing affects us and all that doesn't serve you well in the postseason. Like Strider said, you get down 0-1 in a best of five series, it doesn't you're help to have an even keel. No. No, you're in trouble. Yeah, you got to play like this is a must win. Every game they pretty won much. Game two. They won you game can't two. Act like there's any time. But game three was also a must win because you're at Philly and you can't lose that and then have to win game four. Just to get it back to Atlanta, you needed it. It, it, It's just, uh, I just think what Strider said, it goes back to that. I think they have to somehow change their approach for the postseason, play with more of a sense of urgency. That has to start from the top. I I will say Snit has been a guy that's been adaptable to change. Bobby would not have ever adapted to all the young players, letting them wear the different things, letting them do all of the the home run trots and all the, you know, Emotions on your sleeve, the celebrations. Bobby wouldn't have allowed all that. And, and I'll give Chris Snick credit. He has changed with the times, realizing you can bang your head against the wall, but you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful. You're outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Making all these young guys feel like it's got to be your way or the highway. That's not gonna work. So he has adapted. Now, can he adapt as far as changing the very way? You know that he approaches a whole season. Can he? Can he change that for the postseason? I think if he gets, I think they can if they make a concerted effort. Maybe they need to add one person to the staff with that. I don't know. Maybe this staff is capable of doing that. What Weiss is a fiery guy if you let him, you know, be. But they've all kind of adapted that because it served them so well. Somebody has to step in, whether it's Alex or what, and go and, and explain. We need to start. We need to change this for the postseason. Does that mean you change managers? I don't think so. That's not a hell of a job. No, I, hell of a absolutely job. not. And you, I just, you, do like, not you look at it and it. it's like last year. Okay, last no year you're coming off a World Series ring. It's easy yeah. to just be like shocked that it happened, right? Right. And then to just stick with what you've done and what got you there. But when you have it happen back to back to the same team, it's undeniable that they have an edge that you don't. There's something right. about them that allows them to thrive in that setting that you didn't two years in a row i think last year you get a pass it's like we didn't see that coming or it's fluky the playoffs is a crapshoot but when it happens back to back years it's like all right there's there's something missing here we don't know what it is but let's get to the bottom of it and last year was the first year with that with that layoff between the before when you got to buy too yep how do you even know it's coming you know how do you even know it's gonna affect you you couldn't fault them or the dodgers both fell on their faces last year so that so both teams changed this year tried to have the the inner squads you know and thought that might be help really help that didn't work either so yeah now it's like in 21 the braves team played so loosey-goosey and they did have that kind of edge i mean whether it's Jock, whether it's whomever. Freddie, like you said, has more of an edge than people think. But there were other guys on that team too, you know. And uh, they got rolling. And they, you know, and their bullpen had fiery guys too. Will Smith was a fiery guy. All that mentors are yeah. fiery. So they had, they played with an edge. But if you look at this, if you look at, I'm looking at the, the OPSs on this, uh, on the four, on the eight division series teams this year. OPSs. The only team with the worst OPS in the Braves. Dodgers. Was the Dodgers. 
<laughs> Those are the two 100-win teams in the NL. The Dodgers had a 498 OPS in their three-game series. And they it's so tricky because not panicking. One home run. Not panicking and, and staying the course is how you win 100 games. Yeah. They hit one home run. The Dodgers did. They scored six runs in their three games. Um, they hit 177 to the Braves' 186. They were the only team with the worst average, only team with the worst slugging percentage. Only team with the worst OVP than the Braves in the division series, right? Okay. The Twins were the third worst. Fourth worst out of the eight teams, the Orioles in OPS, yeah. 689. So that's three of the four teams that had buys were in the bottom half of the eight division series OPS. Coincidence? I don't think you can say that's coincidence. You could say, well, the Astros didn't. Okay. Well, they were right. They were fourth. And they're a lot better hitting team than fourth. Yeah, and 25% is not good numbers to make a point. (laughs) Right. And the Astros, again, had so many guys who've been through so deep in the postseason. I mean, this is a team, like we said, has been to seven straight ALCSs. I think they're better equipped to uh, handle a break like that or whatever. And they had Dusty Baker managing, you know. I I just, I don't know. I, I, I would say that I would go with the three teams that did struggle after dominating from you know the Orioles won that division, right? The toughest division yeah. in baseball. I mean, I, yeah. I really thought the Orioles were the team that the Braves had to fear most in the other side. But I did say I thought the Phillies Braves winner, whoever won that series, would win the World Series, and I still think that. I think so too. I think the the Phillies are kind of in that spot the Braves were in, where you get there, yeah. you lose, you're hungry, you want to go back yeah. and do it again, and you're chasing that feeling. And I also think once you get it, you know, it's hard to manufacture. You know, there's certain things you can't manufacture and being hungry is, I mean, it's not really a, it's not a decision you get to make. I mean, it's just, it's a natural feeling. This might be a great NLCS, either that or Arizona shot what they had in the, in the first round and, and will, they'll get trounced. But the D-backs, if you look at the numbers, man, I mean, they just killed the Dodgers. This looks like, oh yeah, these are the two teams with the highest OPSs. Of the division team, Diamondbacks OPS 947 in three games. They had nine home runs in three games. They had four in that one inning off land. Phillies, 11 home runs. They had six in one game against the Braves. I mean, these are the two teams. This should be a good, a hell of a series. I know it's going to be tough. A lot of Braves fans aren't going to watch it, but they'll probably ease into it after a game or two when they, when, when they stop hurting as much. But, uh, well, I mean, it's interesting to watch two teams that just did what they did and, and look this hungry and this fired up and are playing the way they are and coming out scoring early. I mean, it's it's interesting to watch them duke it out and see what happens. I think yeah. that, I, that maybe the Diamondbacks show up, maybe they don't, but I know the Phillies will. I think there's two factors at play in this. I think the buy, the buy hurts, the, the layoff hurts. I don't know what the answer is to that, unless you're adding more teams to the thing where everybody plays in the first round. You know, condense the season to 154, divvy up more postseason money so the owners will accept eight less regular season games, divvy up more postseason money, something. Uh, but Because there's no easy answers to, to how. But I, I just don't think having a buy helps anybody. No. Unless you have a bunch of injuries and you want to get guys rested, but that's the only exception. Uh, but I think these teams, these are two teams, the Diamondbacks and Phillies, that played hard to the end. They were trying to plan for seeds and trying to get in into the Diamondbacks case. And the Braves, 
you know, they didn't have they didn't have buys when Bobby was managing, but they always clinched so early that in effect they were having buys because they weren't playing games that mattered. And like Kipper said, if they were playing a playoff team on the other side or a team that was trying to get into playoffs, Bobby would play his full lineup and go at it because he did because he, he was all about the integrity of the game in a playoff race. But if they were playing a team that was out of it, he'd rest guys. Yeah, and he rest and he, you know he he treat them like a spring training game. Guys would get two or three abs out of the game. So that had that mode where that's where you lose your edge for a week or two, you know, after you clinch. Yeah, and you look at the teams, the two teams that were just comfy all year were the Braves and Dodgers. Yep. The yep. the Orioles fought till the end, but they also ran up against a team that fought till the end. The Astros had to fight till the end, and they also went up against a team that had to fight. So the two I mean, the, the two series that were just a wrap were while well, the, the Texas one was too, but the Dodgers and Braves ones were like those two teams were comfy in August you know I mean realistically you have that big of a lead you're not playing pressure baseball and the Rangers were remember it didn't look like they were going to get in it was their yep. open was a disaster everybody's talking and then they played hard down the stretch they go in on a roll they went in on a yeah. roll the Phillies went in and on they wound up getting to play so those few games that led them into the next series and they and they stayed hot after the Braves won those three out of four and clinched at the Philly in mid-September the Phillies got hot after that and they haven't slowed down since. They built the momentum after that. You know who um, else was comfy was Milwaukee. They won their division by quite a few. Got bounced quick. Yeah. Bounced quick. So I don't know, man. There's got they got a, they got out. Strider is on the right. Has the right. I'm glad he said it out loud. It's been published everywhere. Now it's up to the onus is on the team to listen to him because if a player is saying that, you know the players are discussing that. You know that they see that, okay, that's two years in a row. We gotta do something different. We gotta have more of a sense of urgency. The even kill is great. We're gonna have it for the rest for the regular season. We're not changing anything, but we've got to we've got to uh, approach the playoffs differently. Yeah, I mean it's, it's I think it's undeniable at this point that I mean a mindset so there good. has to be a mindset change. Yeah, that's what's I mean, watching it last night, I'm like, I can't believe I watched this team all year. Yeah. I watched most of the games. I can't believe I watched this team all year, and it can just end like that. You know, even down to the ninth, I was like, "Oh, Grissom's going to have it. How cool of a story! This dude's about to hit a three-run bomb. You know, got sent down. Hasn't. And here's his moment. That's going to erase his whole season. And and then he'll hit a home run. They'll win Game Five. And then he struck out. And it's just like I can't believe that's over that easy, that quick. Well, I thought when, when Acuna did that, I thought, okay, Acuna's having his moment. Now, I thought it was going to get down initially. Initially, when he hit it, I thought he had a chance to get out. But then it was pretty apparent it wasn't going to. But I thought it was going to be a bases-clearing double in that funky corner that it might even carry him off there. And I thought, here go they three. go. Yep. Here they go. He might go. He might have a triple. They're going to take the lead here. And this this is a wrap. They're going to – Think about how close they came, as bad as they played for the entire series, other than the two innings in that one game and the great uh, game-inning double play. Think about how crappy they played, how great the Phillies played, and if Acuna's ball gets down, they win that game last night, they're going for a game five Saturday in Atlanta with against Wheeler. And they could yeah. easily have won that. Easy. Everything I mean, <laughs> and, and that's and we've been talking about it for an hour. That result, and they were that close. You know, I mean, that's yeah. just that's what's so tough. But that's also what makes the postseason so exciting and so much fun. Is that? Yeah. 
the littlest, tiniest shit, you know, one play, one one swing is your whole yeah. season. Man, that bullpen, just to, just before we wrap, that bullpen the Phillies have got right now. Remember the Phillies bullpen was a weakness last year? Remember they were just a disaster? Now he's yeah. got that bullpen. They are like six or seven deep with nasty guys now from both sides of the plate. You know, Olsen, other than the starters, Wheeler and Nola, he didn't face a right-hander in the entire series. And he didn't face a lefty throwing under 99. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. minus Suarez. But it's crazy because you watch that pen, and I don't know if many of them know where it's going. But all of them are throwing 99. They're nasty, man. Yeah, they last year they walked guys and they could melt. They have a an inning that would melt down. They're not doing that now. Yeah, but you have to give them a chance to do it too. You know, you have that's that's where I felt like the Braves came out of their approach. They took those three walks that one inning, but you have to let these guys, these hard throwing guys with the crazy stuff. It's tough because you don't want to fall behind to it. So you have to be. Yeah. I think you have to be willing to let them hang themselves. You have to be willing to let them create their own mess that they can't clean up and get them out of the game. Because if you're aggressive against those guys, they don't they don't dot up. You know, I mean, like if you're watching Kimbrell last night, he's missing a foot outside. He threw a ball off the backstop, yeah. Yeah. and then we're still swinging. You know, like you have to let those guys just kind of do it to themselves. And they didn't let them. You know, there was just too many at bats where. They tried to force it and kind of expanded the zone. And as soon as you do that against those guys throwing 99, the, the, the odds are just against you that you're going to square something up. Yeah, the three straight walks to load the bases, that could have been a series turning moment right there. Yeah. yeah. And then you get yeah. guys on the corners with none out in the ninth. You know, you yep. had two prime opportunities right there. And you're bringing up guys that, I mean, there's something wrong when Vaughn Grissom, who spent most of the year in AAA, almost the entire year, is is coming up to bat in the final plate appearances of the season, potentially. And it was. That just didn't, that didn't work the way it should have. Well, Philly having all those lefties in the pen, I mean, that, that forced yeah. the Braves' hand for sure. Yeah. Strom, Suarez, Kimbrell, Alvarado. Soto. Dominguez. Huh? Soto, I mean that is Soto. that's a murderer's row in the pen, man. You compare yeah. that to the Braves pen right now with all the injuries and everything, it's not even close. Not even yeah. close. No, and I, I just I didn't think that was gonna be the theme of the series. I thought it was just gonna be whether the Braves starters do what they're supposed to, but it came down to, you know, I mean that's how Vaughn wound up. And they had they used their bullpen really well, you know. Yankin Suarez really? early in that one game, being able to bring Alvarado in whenever you want. You know, I mean, he might walk guys, but it's so hard to square up 99 sinker, 99 cutter. And, dude, that's the other thing. This, this makes this such an uncharacteristic thing compared to the regular season where you play six or seven out of seven days. This series was so funky with that extra added day. Oh, it was, and it changed they, everything. And for the Phillies, it played right into their strengths because they could use any of the and all of those relievers that they wanted to at any time and not worry about the next day. Because at most they were going to have back to back games. That was it. That was the they could use them every day. Yeah, and in the postseason, I mean, if you got real relievers in your pen, you can throw guys one and two thirds back to back nights. Yeah, you know, two yeah, innings back to back nights. That guys, if you have guys that don't give a shit, like Minter would have gone three two days in a row if they asked him to. 
But when you yeah. have a pen full of guys that you can just push that button whenever you need to, I mean, you see it. Sometimes the biggest at bat of game comes up in the third inning. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And 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 Suarez, man, he has to get a cap tip because that they were they were ready to pull him out as soon as one time through the order that first start. He went what one and a half times through. He went two times through last night. Yeah, and they couldn't get anything. They couldn't do anything to him. That so. him having that curveball was a game changer. Just having some back and some serious back and forth, and then he throws two different fastballs. He pitches in well for a lefty, and then he throws a sinker that he can locate down and away to the righties. I mean, I thought overall, I thought he did a really good job pitching, not just you know chucking it in there. He was moving the ball all over the plate, and it, that first game coming at the Braves and pitching them inside after the layoff. I mean. You can't do that though. You can't prepare for that in your sim games because what if somebody hits a cunha? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can't pitch inside like that, and that was the difference, man. That's why the sim games weren't real. I mean, uh, by the way, the Phillies, man, say what you will about them, they are fifteen and four all time in games when they have a chance to clinch a postseason series. Seven eighty nine winning percentage. Seven eighty nine is the best. In MLB history, for anybody, any team has had 15 or more of those games. They are 9-2 and all-time in clinching games at home, including 6-1 and one at Citizens Bank Park, including the back last two years against the Braves. Yeah. And their, their record against the Braves in the postseason, now they've won all three of their series against the Braves, postseason series against the Braves. And the Braves, by the way, they haven't won a series when they faced an elimination game. This century. They, oh, yeah, they didn't face one in 2021, huh? Nope. They never even went to the, uh, they never faced elimination. They didn't go the distance in any of those series in 2021. Yeah. yeah. I had to, I had to sat here on, on them and, uh, okay, since moving to Atlanta 66. They are now 12 and 23 in potential elimination games, including five straight losses. They last won an elimination game in 2018 when they beat the Dodgers in game three of the division series, then lost the next night. Okay. They last won multiple elimination games in a series in the 1998 NLCS, which is what they would have had to done to win this series. They'd have had to win two elimination games. 1998 NLCS, the Braves were down 3-1. Or, I'm sorry, they, they, uh, yeah, they were down 3-1. They won games 4-5 and five in the NLCS against the Padres before losing in game 6. So they were down 2-1, then won two games and lost in game 6. They've not won a series when facing elimination at any point in the series since winning the final three games, five, six, and seven of the 1996 NLCS to beat the Cardinals. So there you go. It's been a while. <laughs> been a while. Been a while. This would have been a nice year to get all that history out of the way, wouldn't it? Then they had the offense to do it. The offense just yeah. didn't respond. I didn't give up last night, but yeah, they didn't, didn't do it. Same feel. It didn't have the same feel ever of the regular season. It, uh, when you felt like the Braves would explode at any time for a three-five run inning, it did for it did for me when Darno hit that homer. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. They do they do still do this, you know. But the other couple games, it didn't. 
Yeah, Rollick stepped up, and uh, you know, had a couple of bombs, but that was about it, man. Darno had the big homer, but that 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 was the highlights were few and far between. So that's it. Put a wrap on it. We're going to talk to Alex and Davalos this afternoon, a few of the beat writers, and uh, see what he has to say about. You know, I'm sure it's so soon afterwards he's probably not going to say anything revelatory or anything. But uh, we're going to ask him. I know I'm going to ask him about what Spencer said about they have to change uh, their focus and prep and how they approach the postseason. See what he has to say about that. Be interesting. I'd be interested in that because I don't really have. I mean, you. <laughs> it's hard to build your team. Yeah, for one way the postseason. You know, I mean, you got to make it. Yeah, and they've got that formula down. Yep. All right. Well, we appreciate it, everybody. It's been a great season to to do these shows. It to have a terrible ending, and for the second year in a row. But hey, you know, they won two hundred and five regular season games last year, and went uh, two and six in the postseason. So, the good thing is the Braves should be a factor for a long time for the foreseeable future. Bad thing is, so should the Phillies, I think. Although, you know, they've got to don't have the guys sign long-term like the Braves do, but uh, but they do have Harper. That's an environment and, guys are going to want to come back to. Yeah, Harper and Trey Turner are certainly going to be there for a while. Castellanos has three more years. Wheeler's got yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nola's the big one for them. I would think if they if they go if they go deep or win the whole thing, you would think there's gonna be some pressure to re-sign him. Oh, for sure. And they won't feel bad about doing it. No, not at all. They're gonna have a lot of money. I mean, they're making a lot of money right now in that packed ballpark. <laughs> yeah. And those people aren't only buying one drink. No, exactly. That's the other thing. Last night was louder than even the night before, but I think some of that had to do with having an extra two hours for people to drink after work. <laughs> That game got moved back two hours after the Dodgers lost. It would have been a six oh seven to start. Got yeah. moved back two hours. You got to <laughs> think some people were doing some heavy drinking. Yeah, I mean, that's a safe bet. It is Philly. <laughs> <laughs> they're good sports fans, man. I know people hate them down here, but they are they are a hard-bitten sports lot. And when their teams are winning, whew. I mean the Trey Turner thing, the Alec Baum thing. Those are yeah. those are those are moments to be proud of as a fan base. Yeah. They ride their guys hard when they're losing, but when their teams win, man, it's a pretty magical atmosphere. But all right, that's it. Thanks everybody. We appreciate it. Seven fifty five is real, and we are out. Mm-hmm.